life is never easy. Life's not always swell. It's not always breezy. Sometimes it's just hell. Life ain't always grand. Sometimes it just sucks. We're here to lend you a hand and help you give up. Greetings, humans, and welcome to our show, a podcast where two self-saboteurs plot our escape from our own inner darkness. I'm Miji. And I'm Darren. And this is self-help. Indeed. <laughs> I thought you were going to come in. Oh, I just forgot. I was planning to come in. I thought we were both going to do it and you forgot. Well, that's our... F- welcome to the welcome to the show, welcome folks. Welcome to self-hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's just jump right into it, shall we? Great. <laughs> awesome. uh, do, do you, would you like to share your self-hell first? Because I'm oh, honestly still thinking of mine. My self-hell is like expansive. I am looking for a subletter for my apartment so that I can move to LA. Um, and I'm kind of at their mercy and I am kind of upset about it. I don't get paid enough to pay for rent in Chicago and LA at the same time. Student loans are coming in. They're starting again in September. So I've got all of these financial decisions (laughs) that I have to make based on where I'm living. So my self-help right now is trying to get a subletter. I have one. She just hasn't filled in the application or signed the lease yet. And so waiting for her is my self-help. Hmm. I should have gone first because mine seems so trivial. <laughs> no, tell me your self-help. I'm interested. <laughs> you didn't even have one when I started. No, I didn't. It, it's kind of still forming in my head, quite honestly. So I just started a new job in a behavioral health center. Which is great. Yes, it's wonderful. I really actually love the job and I've been there for three days so far. Uh, What are you actually doing? As of now, training, (laughs) (laughs) which is where part of my self-hell has been. They have to make the training applicable to a broad breadth of ability. Kinds of people. Yes. And today our focus was uh, software used for scheduling in hospitals and medical places. It's a very common, I think it's the most used in the US if I'm not mistaken. But the training started with to move from one field to the next, press tab. To save your work, press control S. And it was a lot of like that. It was like Windows 98 style. Yeah. And it was, it took a long time to get through all of that basic stuff. By the end, it it was a lot of fun because we were doing some role-playing and booking appointments for each other and canceling and rescheduling and referring each other to the other people. That was all very cool and much more applicable, but we had to kind of trudge through that muck first. My my EHR solution for my counseling center in Chicago, um, for Max, you can't do control anything. So if you want to copy and paste, there's like, you have to do function, command, control, shift, C. (laughs) Whoa. And I don't know what it is. So every single time I'm like pressing like all of the buttons trying to copy and all of the buttons trying to paste. And it is also my self-help. So I understand that at least a little bit. (laughs) Not to blow your self-help out of the water again, but. No, it it is pretty trivial. And short-term like once training is done i don't have to deal with this anymore yeah, it'll be from that point so on. i guess that's the silver lining of my self-help that's the uh yeah we've got silver linings at some point right mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think that was supposed to be for the end of the episode, but spoiler alert. Yeah, whatever. That's my spoiler that's my alert. Silver, silver lining. Linings. It will be over soon. <laughs> cool. Uh, topic. Should we just move right along? Yeah, just jump right cool. in. Cool. Today we are talking about ADHD. ADHD. Did we do it? I think so. It felt <laughs> we synced. <did> it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out when we hear it in we'll post if out. it was actually uh, synchronized or not. And if not, I'll make it synchronized. You just make it synchronized. Yeah. Uh, So ADHD, if you don't already know, is Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Uh, It is different from ADD. We'll get into that uh, further down the line. Uh, But uh, according to psychiatry.org, it's one of the most common mental disorders diagnosed in children. Uh, Common symptoms are inattention, hyperactivity, impulsivity. Uh, 8.4% of children are diagnosed with it, 2.5% of adults. And one thing that psychiatry.org mentioned that I want to bring to the table for discussion is that it's more <laughs> common in males. Oh, yeah. I don't think that's true. I think it's I more diagnosed in true. males. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and the, the last bullet point from uh, psychiatry that I have is uh, there's no cause found, though evidence shows that it is genetic. Um, okay. But I'm going to take a step back to the uh, male versus female diagnosis. I love male versus female. <laughs> Let's start with that. Uh, I, Let's start fighting. You want to fight? Oh, no. Let's do it. I'm a, I feel like we're going to have the same opinion on this. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 <laughs> uh, I think that across the board, women and girls are underdiagnosed with uh, mental illness and mental health issues. Uh, it could be that men are overdiagnosed. I think one of those is an issue, though. I don't think that things like ADHD are more common in males than females by any means. Yeah. Um, not least of which because of masking, but also just culturally, there are like if it's an em- an emotional disorder, for example, a lot of women are treated in such a way that you're just being emotional, like you don't oh, deserve that. any kind of special treatment or anything, and it's so it's. It's bull. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's really all I have to say about that. Uh, yeah. Any piggybacking to have? So like the same is true of like most like learning disabilities mm. and stuff as well, right? Like, oh, hi, Fran. <laughs> um, <laughs> like with learning disabilities, I think the same is with some like mental health issues outside of ADHD. Like I think autism is also one of those ones yep. that's underdiagnosed in women. Um, we're going to talk about this more, I think, uh, later on in the episode, but it wasn't until, um, I was in college, my second graduate degree that I was diagnosed with ADHD. So it took being successful for my whole high school, my whole like elementary school, middle school, high school, um, bachelor's program, first master's degree, second master's degree at the very end of my second master's degree is when I got this diagnosis and man, did it make reading easier? (laughs) It made reading so much easier, but that's a story for another time. Yeah, we've got a whole section of diagnosis coming up, folks. <laughs> uh, remember, though, that a diagnosis is a cluster of traits or symptoms, and that cluster has the diagnosis label. Uh, there will be overlap with other disorders, common human traits, personality quirks, and traits of trauma or conditioning. Um, but it's important to remember that, like, there will be a whole bunch of traits that happen. And a psychiatrist says all of these traits have the label of ADHD. Uh, in the DSM, the Diagnostic 
and statistical manual, I believe. Is what, I mean, I have a degree in this. I should probably know for sure what it is. Um, but oftentimes they'll, uh, they will um, say, like, with this diagnosis, these are the diagnostic criteria, and you have to meet two or three of them over this time period for it to be an official diagnosis. Um, also, for diagnostic stuff, diagnostic assessment, all of that stuff. Um, most of the diagnostics, most of the diagnoses are done because insurance. Mm. So it's less important. Labels are important for uh, people finding that they're not alone. Like that's an important factor of labeling. Yeah. One of the downsides to labeling is that people can pigeonhole into whatever the diagnosis is. Mm -hmm. So they start thinking this is all that I am and live into that. Um, and people do that with the Enneagram and stuff like that, yeah. where they're like, I'm a five. Yep. I'm a five. This means that I'm this way, and this means I'm going to interact with things this way. Um, but most of the time, diagnoses are there because insurance wants to charge for something. <laughs> so insurance wants to charge for something, and a prescription needs to be written with a valid reason because insurance needs it. So that's another thing to keep into consideration when we're talking about, which we will be, we'll talk about mood disorders later. We're going to talk about ADHD, autism, different uh, disorders like this in the future, but it's important just to recognize the importance of labeling, the importance of diagnosis, but also the shortcomings of diagnosis mm -hmm. and the real motivator, which is money and insurance companies. Yeah. So these are helpful identifiers, but they're not the end all be all. Sorry for the tangent. Oh, no, it's I don't think it was that tangential. It is all related. <laughs> and I've found in the short time I've been working in mental health, insurance plays a huge role in every decision. And seriously, it's, it bugs me a lot that our country is <laughs> organized <laughs> this way. But we're, we're, we're working. We're, we're doing what we can we're, to get we, through it and we're doing make things what we better. Can. Yeah. Uh, yes. So uh, I did mention some of the... Uh, traits uh, with ADHD. Uh, I'm going to kind of dive into that a little deeper. I used the uh, NHS for uh, the specificities of traits. Yeah, I was interested to why you used British <laughs> National Health Service. <laughs> the, the NHS, yes, the UK National Health Service. Uh, I used theirs because it was more comprehensive and it had uh, more like everyday applications. And they also separated yeah. child from adult symptoms okay. because they do yeah, evolve definitely. with uh, adult yeah. characteristics. Um, so yes, uh, it is important to note that these traits are, again, part of general humanity, but if you exhibit many or all of these traits to a degree where it interferes with your everyday life, then it could be considered a disorder. I'm not sure what uh, DSM-5 actually says about how many of these traits. You know, I have it somewhere, I have one here but too, I don't know somewhere. where it is. <laughs> I don't know where mine is either. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's the little handbook section so that I can carry it around with me. Oh, so it's nice. probably in a backpack somewhere. Yeah, I just got the I got the full version, but it's paperback because that was cheap. <laughs> it's oh, like yeah. fifty bucks cheaper. For sure, for sure. Uh, anyway, uh, as with most <laughs> mental health disorders, ADHD often comes with a hearty dose of anxiety and depression. Uh, Love it. Pretty much every mental illness will come Love with it. some form of anxiety and depression. Yeah, I'm finding. For sure. <laughs> uh, sometimes you just have anxiety or an anxiety disorder. Sometimes you just have clinical depression. Um, There's so much overlap, though, yes. that like yeah. comorbidity is a, it's a, a lot. thing. Uh, it's a thing. So there are three main types of attention deficit. There's inattentive, and that is ADD. Uh, 
there's impulsive hyperactive, and then there's combined, which is ADHD hyphen C. That's usually how it's notated. So inattentive is ADD, impulsive hyperactive is ADHD, and combined is ADHD C. Uh, those are all under the umbrella of ADHD in the same way that Asperger's is now just part of autism as a diagnosis. Uh, it's all autism in the same way that this is all ADHD. Um, it's important to note that uh, a lot of people, when they hear hyperactive or hyperactivity, they think of kids that can't sit still or are constantly talking or running around or moving. Hyperactivity can be internal. Uh, and that I've seen that manifested more in people that are good at masking uh, their traits or symptoms. Uh, I've you also, say masking. What do you mean when you say masking? When I say masking, it's basically adapting to your world around you. It's like a chameleon effect that we take on to look like everyone around us. So you're putting on a figurative mask to look like an average human. Look normal, whatever normal is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I try, I try to use average as much as I can because normal is definitely relative, Normal's subjective, weird, and situational. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's what, that's what masking is. Thank you for uh, helping me define that. Cause some, uh, I'm sure both of us will start to use You just keep saying these words. I don't that, yeah. You. We kind of need to break down <laughs> in case anyone doesn't know what it means. I don't want to have to Google every time I say something. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, uh, starting with the inattentive ADD version, um, in children, uh, it's a short attention span, uh, being unable to stick to tasks that are tedious or time consuming, constantly switch tasking. Uh, in both kids and adults, it's carelessness or a lack of attention to detail, continually starting new tasks before finishing old ones, continually, continually losing or misplacing things, and inability to focus. And then we get into just adult symptoms and traits, which are inability to prioritize, poor organizational skills, and forgetfulness. Now, if I've I thought I was just lazy, you know, like <laughs> that, I thought I was just like a bad human. I've got a whole section in this, <laughs> in the stigma segment coming up about people thinking that they're lazy, but they actually just have ADHD or depression. Uh, we live in a society that's kind of like a go, go, go mentality. Yeah. And there are parts of uh, ADHD traits that fit that really well, like the, uh, the impulsiveness and the ability to just kind of get up and go when they do have those higher levels of dopamine um, or when they're hyper-focusing, which we'll get into later as well. Yeah, tunneling. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are also opposite traits. Uh, and it's something that I've found has also been repetitive in mental health is we often have stigma, stereotypes, or expectations of a bunch of types of characteristics for a diagnosis, but often the opposite is also true. Like with... ADHD, not being able to focus is a key characteristic, but being able to focus so hard that you forget to eat and go to the bathroom is also a key characteristic. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's so interesting to me that- Same with depression, hypersomnia versus hyposomnia. Yep. Like, are you sleeping too much or are you not sleeping enough? Yeah. Well, both of those are indicators of depression, mm -hmm. so anyone can fit that, Yeah. which is another issue with overdiagnosis as well, but that's another story for another time. Mm -hmm. So many things to talk about. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to like not get too <laughs> sidetracked because I'm just so excited to talk about all the things. Uh, moving on to ADHD, hyperactive impulsive traits in kids. It is fidgeting, being unable to concentrate on tasks, excessive physical movement, excessive talking, difficulty keeping quiet or too much speaking out of turn, being unable to wait their turn, 
acting without thinking, little to no sense of danger. Uh, for kids and adults, restlessness or edginess, especially in calm scenarios. And then with just adults, mood swings, irritability, difficulty with stress, and extreme impatience. Yes, so if you're hearing any of these lists and thinking to yourself, I do all of those things, uh, <laughs> it might be worth digging a little deeper uh, because if it is to a point where it's like intruding on your life and your life quality, it might be worth finding help to and that's, mitigate that. That's like the key for like disorders. Mm -hmm. Like when it when it starts affecting how you're living your life in a negative way, like that's when you start labeling it a disorder. Um, major depressive disorder, I think, at the end is like, and has been doing this for two to three weeks. <laughs> it's yeah. like, and this has been happening and it's been influencing their life and changing the way that they act for a certain number of times. So that's that's an important factor of diagnose, diagnosing things. Just the, is it actually impacting you? Is it influencing the way you're acting? Indeed. Uh, I just had a, this is a little bit of a tangent story, but I just had a Love conversation <laughs> uh, about that with my uh, TMS tech today. If, you, if you've never heard of TMS, it's cr transcranial magnetic stimulation where they put it. Oh yeah. Totally like hippie, crazy mm -hmm. sci-fi stuff, yeah, right? They put a giant machine against the side of your skull and have a magnet do some pulses that go a few centimeters into your brain and it helps produce serotonin and dopamine and a few other chemicals that are good for <laughs> brains that I'm not good at making. Uh, but I'm doing that right now. And my tech, the uh, Shannon, who's in charge of um, taking care of the machine and pressing buttons. Yeah, yeah. And she also does like a gratitude log with me and stuff. Cause I, if I'm making my own Cute. serotonin while the machine is doing its thing, it's more effective, which makes yeah. sense. Anyway, um, I was talking to Shannon today during my session uh, about this and how uh, with like anxiety and depression, for example, someone who like if, if, if it was on a scale of one to 10 of severity and 10 is it's absolutely the most stressful thing that's ever made me anxious. I'm talking about anxiety here and a zero is sleep, I guess. <laughs> Although sleep can induce anxiety as well. But for anyway, sure. <laughs> uh, if one person experiences a thing and that's a 10 for them and someone else experiences the same exact occurrence in their life and it only feels like a four to them, the first person could be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder for it and the second one wouldn't. It's all completely relative to where you are in life. So if you think to yourself, I don't have a right to be anxious or depressed about this because someone else has it worse than me, Ooh, that's nope. not healthy. That doesn't work in my counseling office. No. <laughs> nope, doesn't work. As it shouldn't. Uh, so yeah, don't, oh, that's probably something that's helpful to add to this conversation. Yeah. I'm a licensed professional counselor oh, yeah. <laughs> in Chicago. <laughs> that is true. Darren that is, is, true. is legit. Uh, I am not. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say legit. I passed the national counselor examination though, two years ago. Yeah, so so I mean, you got a license. At least two years ago, I knew some stuff. Yeah. I, on the other hand, uh, my evidence is anecdotal. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I, uh, this is mine is both mostly based on life experience. I do work in mental health as of three days ago, um, <laughs> and I am pursuing a, a master's degree in clinical psychology next year. <laughs> but we're 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 getting there. Uh, I, I just have a passion for it, and I've learned a lot from uh, studying things about bits of my life that have happened that kind of sucked frankly and i don't want yeah. other people to experience them uh so that's why i started self-help so thanks for coming on this ride with us <laughs>
Moving on with traits and symptoms. Um, common but unexpected traits in adults. I love these lists because these are the ones where people are like, wait, what? That's a thing? Uh, and it's great. Um, difficulty finding the right word for things. Oh, yeah. That is a multiple times a day issue for me. And again, just because you have one of these traits all the time doesn't mean you have ADHD necessarily. Uh, but that's a that's a big one for me. I just like kind of have pauses in my sentences all the time, and I'm so self conscious about it. And I'm I'm working on getting okay with that. But I feel like that happened to me while we were prepping for this. It did. I was like, <laughs> I, I, have, I was like, I have ADHD. <laughs> Uh, you know, never mind. Words. <laughs> yeah. Words. I'm it's missing difficult. the words. Yeah. Uh, the next one is fatigue <laughs> at work. And this happens because we're making ourselves focus. Uh, so when you're not medicated and you have ADHD, you are able to focus. You are able to switch tasks when something comes up and you are able to pull yourself out of hyperfocus. But it costs us so much more energy than the average human that it's just exhausting. Uh, and then what sucks is that later that night, you could be exhausted, but your brain's like, well, it's go time and <laughs> you can't turn it off. Uh, and there are meds for that, too. But for turning off the, the brain. Yeah, I'm only I'm only a partial med advocate. I feel like everything is about a balance. But oh, yeah, that's. That's a that's a conversation for another day. I can have a whole episode about medication. Anyway, <laughs> hyperfocus on niche interests. This is another oh, one. Yeah. Uh, hyperfocus is extremely common in people with ADHD. When you have something that you're just into, like it's your favorite thing to do and you know how to do it, you do it well and you love doing it, you can go into a hyperfocus mode where everything else in life ceases to exist for a while and it's it is kind of a beautiful thing i think this is a part of why so many adhds are creatives uh because that it allows you to focus so hard on one thing that every ounce of your creative being is like being drilled into this one project and it gets so much focus and attention that it comes out really good uh so yeah that's hyper focus uh difficulty with left and right, knowing the difference between left and right. This is also common in dyslexia and certain forms of autism. Um, but people with a form of attention deficit often just can't remember which way is left and which way is right. And I, I know someone who is actually very seriously considering getting L and R tattooed on their left and right <laughs> hands because um, wow. it's such a difficult part of their life to um, yeah. remember that. and. I, I I think it's kind of awesome. It makes a difference, yeah. <laughs> like not knowing, like yeah, yeah. That's an important thing to have to know in life. Yep. Risky behavior is another one. Um, it's also common in bipolar and in ODD. ODD is a uh, obstinate defiance disorder. Uh, sure. I shouldn't make things up when it's got a real ODD oppositional defiant disorder. I was close. Oh yeah, that's you were close. Uh. So, yes, risky behavior is also another one. It's not in everyone, again, but it's a thing. Infidelity and cheating also kind of comes from that. Uh, the theory behind that is that they're seeking dopamine, and eventually the reward system just is so burnt out that they have to go to extremes in order to find dopamine. And this is another point for diagnosis. 
because you can get help with finding ways to get the dopamine that you need to have an average life without having to eventually resort to something as extreme as um, cheating on your spouse or significant other. Um, RSD or restless leg syndrome. Nope. Yeah. Restless leg syndrome is also it. That's RLS. (laughs) (laughs) What was RSD? RSD is something (laughs) else. I wrote RSD and didn't write what the acronym stood for. And it has to do with um, not liking rejection. The R is rejection. Uh, RSD, rejection sensitive dysphoria, which is an extreme emotional sensitivity. Dysphoria. Yeah. Uh, People with ADHD are not good with rejection and it's not their fault. But yes, uh, one in three people say that it's the hardest people. Mm-mm. One in three people say it's the hardest <laughs> part of ADHD, according to Dr. Smith, mm, Smitha Bandari. Okay. Uh, that was me affirming the way that you said that. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, yeah. you said that. <laughs> Morning fog is the last one I have here. Oh, yeah. Uh, this I never attributed to ADHD. Uh, I had had a med switch and told my psychiatrist that I had been experiencing a lot of morning fog. And she said, oh, that's just the ADHD drugs leaving your system and your ADHD coming back. And it's everyone experiences morning fog every once in a while or to some degree. But it's this extreme state for me at times where like I can't make anything matter to me in my head. Uh, which is where like that lack of motivation and inability yeah. to focus and stuff, that's where it kind of comes from. But this manifestation is so annoying to me because it, it happens in the morning when I need to be getting ready for work or to yeah. go out and do things. And I can't process what the numbers on the clock mean. So I don't know what time it is. I don't know how much longer I can sleep or how long I now have to eat breakfast and get ready because time just doesn't exist to me in that instance yeah time is such an interesting part of adhd it's so frustrating but it's it's my life and uh the the solution that my psychiatrist came up with which actually has helped me i set my alarm half an hour earlier as soon as the alarm goes off i take my meds and then i go back to sleep and then when i wake up the second time half an hour later my meds are already already starting to kick in yeah yeah so that morning fog is far less of a problem now and if anyone else wants to try that, if you're already medicated and you take them first thing in the morning, that's a great Give it a method. Whirl. Yeah. Uh, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> uh, so that's it for common traits and uncommonly known traits. My most common traits, uh, switch tasking is really difficult for me. This is what most people call multitasking. Uh, it's already been proven multiple times that multitasking is not possible for a human brain. We're actually just switching <laughs> tasks so quickly that we think we're looking or focusing on two different things at the same time, but we're actually just going back and forth. ADHD yeah. brains, not good at that. Uh, misplacing things. I This is oh, yeah. where that story was going to come in, where I have a specific place for every single item in my home. I panic when I don't have the thing in the place. That same. I, when I walk out the front door, I do it with my key in my hand Yep. so that I know that I have my key and I won't lock myself I out. I do the same exact thing. I uh, I have often even like stopped the door from closing because there's like a spring-loaded door on the outside of my yeah. apartment building and I have the key in my hand. I'm like, oh no, I don't have my keys. Yes, Look I do. At the key. <laughs> yeah, I have to actually <laughs> yeah, see it I do that. with my eyeballs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As I'm walking out the door, there are two doors that lock behind me yep. and I look 
at my key in my hand as I'm closing the second door just to confirm Me too. that I have my key. I'm not alone yeah. in this world. <laughs> Great. Uh, but yeah, remotes, uh, phone chargers, phone, chapstick, wallet, shoes. My clothes are organized very specifically. Uh, and this was an interesting manifestation for ADHD for me. And this is why my initial psychiatrist thought it was OCD because I had to have everything a certain way in order to function. And it wasn't because it has to be this way or else something bad will happen, which is typically the trait and flow of OCD. I'm just going to lose things <laughs> if I don't know yeah. where they are. I, I, the only reason why my doctor didn't uh, diagnose me with OCD is because I don't have the compulsive part of it. Mm. I have the obsessive thoughts, but I don't have the like, I have to flush, switch the light switch like five times. Yeah. I just have to like, I just get obsessed with the idea of switching the light switch. Like, is I'm sure it's off. I'm sure it's off sort of stuff. Mm. And that's where the anxiety comes anxiety in. Anxiety with ADHD, man. Mm-hmm. All of the comorbidity of this. I talk um, in one of my episodes, I'm going to be talking about bipolar and the like misdiagnosis with ADHD, alcohol substance abuse, borderline, delusional disorder, depression, schizophrenia, like all of these like comorbidities and like misdiagnoses and all of this stuff, it all runs so close together mm-hmm. that like it's important to speak specifically about like ADHD, but also recognizing that like all of like mental health itself is like so intertwined. Yep, like vines. Uh, after misplacing things, forgetfulness, working memory, working memory. Yes. Working memory is awful. And this is like forgetfulness. Short-term memory is something that, um, affects like reading and stuff Mm -hmm. in school, reading and comprehension in school. Bad working memory means that like you already lose track of things like two lines down. So you have to start reading over and over again, which is why sometimes people get diagnosed with like dyslexia instead of ADHD because people are recognizing like reading disorders when it's really ADHD. Yep. Uh, So if you're the type of person that finds that you very often, probably on every page, have to read the same page or paragraph over and over again, unless you're really, really into the book, take a look at some of the other traits. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's your working memory (laughs) that needs some assistance or attention. Uh, the next one is restlessness and that's where RLS comes in restless leg syndrome. Yeah. Uh, I know that I've, I've seen a lot of, especially male presenting people do like a leg shake when they're bored or have to pee or something like that. Uh, <laughs> I am never still, I am actively right now. Yeah. I was going to say, leg, if you look at the, the video of us right now, yeah, we're both like if rocking back and forth. Right and now, <laughs> we're rolling back and forth in our chair and like shaking legs and like stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, most of my pants, I cut the drawstring off because I don't like the feeling of them bouncing against my front as I'm walking around and they make good toys for my cats. Uh, <laughs> but on these shorts, for whatever reason, I kept the drawstring on and I just play with them all the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, restlessness is a thing. Also, it's not exclusively physical. Uh, it's not even mutually physical. It can be either or or and. <laughs> internal it can be internal it can be external it can be both that's a better way to say yeah. that uh, <laughs> sometimes restlessness is of the mind it's your brain just racing from one thing to the next and just kind of like bouncing around and you don't know why necessarily it's just kind of like 
wants to kind of be everywhere at the same time. Uh, yeah. Metaphysically. Metaphorically, even. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I was yeah. going with that. Anyway, yeah, yeah, difficulty yeah. <laughs> with stress is another one that I very often struggle with. Um, that is getting better. I'm finding that that was more of the anxiety that I get from ADHD that was making stress difficult. Uh, and TMS has been targeting depression and anxiety specifically for me. And I noticed just today uh, a significant change. Uh, being late is like my ultimate anxiety-inducing feeling. Um, I am 15 minutes early to Same. absolutely everything. Yeah. And when I'm not early, I feel late. So I'll get somewhere five minutes early and be like, sorry, I'm late. Yeah. No one's here. Cool. Ooh, well, I will. I did this in school where I would show up early to a professor's office and then wait around the corner so I could walk in exactly on time. <laughs> but I would be there for like 15 minutes waiting around the corner so that I could walk in at the minute, like two seconds into the minute that I was supposed to be there because I was so anxious about that. The number of times I have waited <laughs> in my car for someone so that I could time the walk to when they were going to arrive <laughs> or like around a corner just like that. I, I, uncountable. Like, <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, I do that as well all the time. Oh, yeah. I want to be early, but I don't want to like show up and inconvenience someone yeah, exactly. with my earliness. So I will show up early and sit in my car so that I can walk in right on time. But in no in no world am I going to show up right on time in my car. I'm always going to be there sitting in the parking lot for <laughs> 15 minutes so that I can walk in on time. Yep. What if you get a flat tire? I know. you See, that was a non-audible yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> that was a non-audible. I just <laughs> flexed all of my cheek, chin, and neck muscles at the same time. Yeah, so I was uh, on my way to my therapy appointment and oh my gosh me too there was an accident on the highway and traffic was just stopped and i was i had left to be like five minutes early and i was like well this is gonna slow me way down so i uh i was stopped but i pulled up maps <laughs> in my car to see what maps said about my time to get to therapy and uh the the appointment started in 15 minutes and it said it would take 25 and I Oof. didn't panic. I was like, well. You didn't panic? I didn't. Wow. I was like, well, there's nothing I can do about this. Wow. I can't get off the highway because I'm wedged in the far left lane. Um, I can call them and let them know I'm going to be late. Otherwise, I'm stuck and there isn't anything I can do about this right now. So I did. I called them. They didn't answer. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm just going to be late. And if they can't take me yeah. for today's appointment, I'll make it up this weekend. That's, wow. Wow. And what was that like the first time for you that that was happened? Uh, not the first time, but the first time I did it by accident. And that was kind yeah. of like, oh, I mean, the milestone. first time that you were like able to be fine without trying. Yes. So this is the yeah. first time I didn't have to like tell myself I'm going to be With, okay. Like, I'm going to be okay. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. my yeah. CVT has been big in my life. Cognitive <laughs> behavioral therapy. We're also going to talk about that in a couple minutes. Um, yeah, typically I have to like tell myself I'm going to be okay until I eventually start to maybe believe myself. But this time it just kind of <laughs> happened, and I realized it, and I was like, whoa, 
that's different. And I like it. Like, this is so much easier to live this way. I'm going to be late to everything. That's a lie. I'm never going to be late yeah, to I'm anything. I'm never going to be late ever again. <laughs> but it, it's a much easier way to live to just kind of let things happen. If you can't control it, you can't control it. And it's not worth yeah. stressing yourself out over it. Oof. Yeah. Maybe one day I'll get there. <laughs> it's It has been a journey for sure. Yeah. Uh, and it's definitely situational. Like if I was already antsy about something else in my life, I probably wouldn't have been able to do that as well. So yeah. take it in stride. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's one of my other ones. The next one, finding words. We talked about this a little bit. There are yeah. oftentimes, I'm, I'm very particular about language. And so like when I start to say something, I'm doing it now and starting to sound like a robot. Because uh, you're waiting to catch up to the right word. Yes. My my mouth often can't move as quickly as my brain does, if that makes sense. So like yeah. my brain is like forming the whole thought and rearranging it and putting it together in the best possible way and using the most flavorful words. It happened just there. I was trying to find the word flavorful. And then I have to <laughs> pause to let my brain pause and be like, whoa, 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 mouth. Do this now. Flavorful. Yeah continue and then continue the thought <laughs> and it happens all the time and the way that I've tried to manage it is to just speak more slowly when I'm talking to people that I'm not used to talking to but that gets so boring and I don't get enough oh, words gosh. in <laughs> oh man <laughs> the last one that I commonly exhibit is the rejection sensitive dysphoria oh here I wrote it out for myself thanks Meej that was kind of mm -hmm. you I'm super prone to rejection generally and super sensitive to it. I have gotten much better and accepted that like if someone doesn't approve of something about me and or if they just don't like me, frankly, that's on them. Like it it shouldn't Whereas whereas Oh, this is gonna show my ego so much. Whereas I'm like, I'm hot stuff. Like anyone who's not into me. Like, give me a break. Like, those people are just jealous. Like, I actually talked to myself like that. And I know it's like the most absurd thing in the world to like actually believe that. But I think part of me is like, I'm I'm awesome. I don't know where that comes from, but it's a little cocky. I'm like self-cocky. I think that's fine. As long as you're not hurting someone with like arrogance that belittles yeah. other people, that counts as like I'm positive self-talk. Yeah, positive self-talk. Uh, yeah, so that that's one way that RSD can manifest. Rejection was really hard for me for a while. It's not so much anymore. I'm not going to say it's not a thing, but it manifests. One way that it manifested was in relationships. Uh, I was so keen on not being broken up with by a significant other or partner that I would always be the one to do the breaking up. Uh and sometimes I would sabotage the relationship unintentionally to be that person so that I wouldn't have to face the rejection, which is so unhealthy. Uh, yeah. And it's that hurts the other person too. Like they're yeah. you're trying to build a unit here. And when you you're like throwing wrenches into the gears constantly just so that you don't get hurt, you're hurting yourself anyway. So you're wasting yeah. everybody's time and energy. If you do that, if when I did that, when I do that, I probably still do that in other aspects of my life. <laughs> uh, so that's the end of traits. Uh, do you want to talk about your experience with ADHD and traits that you have 
Um, I think I said mostly what I want to say about um, my own diagnosis. Um, I was in my second graduate degree program um, talking. It was it came up because I was talking to my psychiatrist about um, not being able to read. That was the thing that he was like, sounds like you have ADHD. Because mm. I was like, yeah, it's like I'm trying to read and I keep reading the same line over and over again. And I was like, so I just don't do my reading. And I just learn from lectures because like I can't read. That's like I have I have horrible reading comprehension. And when I was taking like testing in high school, when they did state testing, I would be like, great for math, great for science, great for all of this stuff, great for um, vocabulary, great for all of this. And then my reading comprehension levels were like garbage because I can't read. I don't understand. I don't remember what's happening. And then I panic and then I try and skip ahead and skip. I like will read the first page, the third page, skip back because I don't remember what happened on the first page, go back to the third page again. It's awful. And um, I take Concerta for my ADHD. It really helps with my restless legs as well, which I didn't realize was a problem um, until I started taking it. And I was like, oh, my <laughs> legs are always restless. Like, that's why I feel like it's the external physical restlessness. Like. I feel the need to move from my legs. It's not just like I'm bored. It's like my body is compelling me to move. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was the first time I I was at, I had just gone to the dentist and I was, no, I was reading a book because I was early to the dentist. (laughs) (laughs) So I was reading Harry Potter and I took the Concerta and I just remember it like, is it IMAX that does the, like the, the THX sound at the beginning of the movie sound? Yeah. Yeah. So I remember that happening. And then I could read (laughs) after taking the Concerta. And I was just like, wow, this is like a Christmas miracle. That was the main thing that I took away from like having medication for my ADHD was like, I can read for fun. That's something that I can do. And that was like so exciting for me because I have always listened to audiobooks because I can't. And most of the audiobooks, you don't have to like remember every word for what's happening. But written word has always been really difficult for me. So let me just tell you, that made a difference for the last two semesters of my graduate program. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was my experience. It mostly had to do with reading and feeling really stupid most of my life for not being a reader because I've got readers in my family. Claire can read like five books in like two minutes. She just reads and reads and reads. Yeah, Danielle's And like I always too. felt really dumb for not being able to read. <laughs> Um, I used to have to read out loud in the car because my reading comprehension wasn't great. So I would read the Brer Brer Bear Rabbit, Brer 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 Rabbit series out loud in the car um, during road trips because I needed to work on my reading comprehension. Um, and all all because I had ADHD. Mm. All of these like life experiences, all I didn't have, well, this is another thing we're going to talk about um, in another episode, but like being uh, basically diagnosed as stupid in school because I needed special education. Same thing. Like I needed to be in special ed for different learning methods, but because I wasn't diagnosed correctly, I was suffering in like basic math classes, Mm. but that's going to be a we're going to talk about like special ed and gifted and talented programming in another episode, mm-hmm. but that's my rant reading who knew. 
Well, you do now, at least. <laughs> we got now that, I know. We got that going for us. We've, we've yeah. made discoveries. Next section is treatment, not cures. We're not trying to cure ADHD necessarily. I, I'm an advocate for these types of mental health differences being accommodated by society instead of cured by it. Uh, we're going to start with meds. Uh, we've kind of talked about that a little bit, but I just want to kind of explain what they do uh, at a base level. They're much more complex than I can actually understand. But uh, medications for ADHD control levels of dopamine and norepinephrine, which affect concentration. Uh, these come in various forms. One of the most common types is amphetamine, which probably sounds familiar to you if you've ever heard of methamphetamine. They are mm -hmm. related, not the same. That's all I know about that, so I'm not going to <laughs> go any deeper. If you care about the actual <laughs> difference between the two, you can Google it. Uh, but amphetamines raise chemicals that increase your heart rate and your blood pressure. Stimulants. They're a stimulant, exactly. And they make you feel more energized because your body is going through the physical, the physiological manifestations of having dopamine. And your brain's like, oh, we're in dopamine mode. Release dopamine. And that's kind of the idea of behind using those types of drugs for ADHD. The other type... Uh, Methylphenidates, pretty sure I'm saying that right. Uh, those actually increase dopamine production. So drugs like Adderall and Dexedrine, those are amphetamines, the first type that affect your blood and heart. Concerta and Ritalin are the methylphenidates that uh, actually nice. affect the uh, dopamine production in your brain. Yeah. I have a lot that I can't communicate about neurotransmitters. <laughs> When I'm seeing clients, I'll like draw on the whiteboard <laughs> about like neurotransmitters and like reuptake inhibitors and like uh, med uh, medicines that trigger the production of medicine versus ones that prevent the reuptake of medicine mm. or of neurotransmitters. And like, it's like so complex. And a lot of like, for like bipolar, the treatment is lithium. That's like the big like powerhouse treatment you can do. Do we know why lithium helps with bipolar? No. Are there theories? Yes. But like with all of these medicines, most of them are just guesses. They're educated guesses as to why they're helpful. That's my rant. Like, is medicine real? I don't know. Maybe in like a thousand years, they're going to be like, those people were crazy. <laughs> but like, um, it's, amazing and it helps a lot of people but do we really understand what's going on probably not probably not no. neurotransmitters that's all made up right back to the point those are the drugs common ones adderall concerta dexedrine ritalin there are tons out there those are just brand names for similar devices for manipulating your body basically uh so it is it is common to go through drug trials and try multiple medications before you find one that works best for you not gonna say it works well for you but it works better than the other drugs did that's what they mean when they say works best for you and sometimes what works best for you is diet and exercise frankly yeah yeah for sure and sleep that's one of my like biggest prescriptions to clients it's like are you sleeping well like are you doing good sleep hygiene have you considered going for a run 
Oh, you can't go for it. Have you considered going on the elliptical bike? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Are you eating food? Is that food healthy food? Are you talking to your friends, going yeah. out, doing all of this stuff? Like there's a lot of behavioral stuff that comes into place and should be part of the conversation before you even start talking about medicine. Agreed. Uh, moving on from medication, we're going to start talking about therapy for ADHD. Um, what has worked best for me is CBT. That stands for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. That is all about being aware of your behavior, where it's coming from, and being okay with that. Uh, it is a lot of work and takes a lot of self-acceptance. And what I have really struggled with when it comes to CBT is not beating myself up when I get it wrong. Ooh, love a judgment. <laughs> I love a self-judgment. That's one of my favorite things to just, when, whenever a client is like, just be like, oh, and then you judged yourself for that. Oh, yeah. And then you were judging yourself for yeah, that. It's like tough. people don't even realize when they're judging themselves. Yeah, I found but like that's a hot topic for mm -hmm. me. I was in CBT and uh, my therapist, I had heard of CBT before and I didn't know that the therapist I was going to was using CBT on me, was teaching me cognitive behavioral <laughs> therapy. Uh, and I was starting to use those practices more and more in my life. And at first it's a very conscious, intensive, intentional effort to make yourself yeah. think about everything you're doing and how you're behaving and how you're reacting instead of responding, for example. And at first, because it wasn't natural for me, I would get it wrong all the time. I would do something and be like, no, I'm not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to respond this way instead of react that way. And I would get mad at myself for messing oh, up. And yeah, that judgment would come in. And that took me longer to get over than the behaviors themselves. Yeah. Uh, and I still, I will probably always struggle with that. And it still comes in peaks and troughs uh, in my life. Like when things are good, it's easier to do. When things are bad, it's harder to do. And that will always happen. What's important is that as those peaks and troughs happen, the overall trajectory is upward. That's what you want to focus on. That's how what helped me recognize my progress um, and to recognize progress and not perfection. <laughs> That's another, uh, it's probably almost a cliche, but uh, it's a it's a proverb or a, something. It's a proverbial it's a something. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing. Progress, it's a not thing. perfection. Let me just say how excited I am to talk about dialectical behavioral therapy and acceptance and commitment therapy and stages of change mm. and how that impacts all like client-centered therapy i'm so <laughs> it's a little it's like a nerdy thing that i'm into but i'm really excited to talk about all of those different brands of therapy and what you might look for in a therapist depending on what your brand of being a human is another typical type of therapy for adhd is actually for parents uh that revolves around positive reinforcement, mostly because of that re that rejection-sensitive dysphoria that people with ADHD suffer from, especially as children, before they have all of these cognitive behavioral capabilities. Uh, they thrive from positive reinforcement. And you don't have to take it to the extreme where if they do something wrong, you still have to find only positive things about the scenario. Like, discipline does still need to happen. Uh, but knowing how different the balance is going to be for a child with ADHD is helpful, I think. Uh, 
And lastly, with therapy specifically, find a specialist. Most therapists on their psychology.com profile or wherever you find them will say what they specialize in. And if you're going to an addiction therapist for your ADHD, they probably, frankly, won't have a whole lot to offer you. They'll know something because that's why general licensure exists, but everyone kind of has a specialty or in my opinion, everyone should have a specialty because then we can <laughs> kind of hammer away at things much more effectively. But there are generalists as well and I don't have anything against them. Just saying specialists exist for a reason. Yeah, so that that's all for um, therapy. Uh, I'm just going to bring back uh, behavioral adaptations real quick because some of these kind of came from therapy. So these are kind of things that I have used in my life from cognitive behavioral therapy and kind of like self-talk and self-observation for processing and getting through my issues with ADHD. Um, Behavioral adaptations, uh, like having places for things. Like I said, my remote keys, phone, wallet, clothes, everything has place that way it can't be lost sometimes i am in a rush or i'm distracted or something i don't put something back in the right place or i think oh this is actually a better place for it and because of that i'll remember that it's there (laughs) never do i never Never remember remember. and it takes me sometimes days to find the thing that i have put somewhere else and it's frustrating but that's why i have a place for everything Uh, routine is also helpful um, generally in life, this is a good practice to go to bed, to wake up and to eat your meals at the same time every day, Yeah. even on weekends, whatever your work schedule yeah. is, match that on Saturday and Sunday. If you're a Monday to Friday worker, uh, if you work in a flexible environment where your day is different every day, like retail or some forms of healthcare and stuff, it's a lot harder to do that. And I'm sorry. Yeah. If you can, however, have some kind of schedule with, especially with sleep, your body and your brain will thank you for it. Uh, and it's tough. Who knew we were going to be so like sleep hygiene heavy in this? Uh, yeah, I didn't really see that coming. Like that but... should be our thing. We should get like a pillow sponsorship. <laughs> we should be like I Square Pillow yeah. uh, sponsors. I really want a Square Pillow, but they're like ninety bucks. Yeah, we'll. We should look into yeah. that. Mattresses and pillows. Anyway. Uh, I also have routines for my homework and housework. And uh, so I do the same type of homework on the same day of the week, every week, same type of housework, same day of the week, every week. Uh, Litter box cleaning is every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, Vacuuming is every Thursday, et cetera, et cetera. I do it the same way. And that way I always know that it's been done because it happens the same way. And if that changes, my whole week gets thrown off sometimes because I realize I missed it and I go back and do it and then something else gets thrown into the mix and it can be bad. So it is important to maintain that routine. It's difficult though. Yeah. One time I had my watch, uh, I don't know if it was because of the number of days in the month or something like that, but my watch had the wrong date on it. This was back when I was wearing a Casio and I thought it was Tuesday and it was Monday And that routine change, I thought I was going crazy. <laughs> I was, but it was for other reasons. But I thought that was like, I am crazy, but that was what made me even more crazy. <laughs> so having routine and that being messed with is like a big deal. Yeah. If you can do that with your job, getting a routine that's regular, also helpful. Um, 
I know it's not always possible. Most jobs, in fact, we have very little control over our schedule. We're usually dictated to schedule. Um, but if you have ADHD, you do fall under the jurisdiction of the ADA and reasonable accommodation is something you can ask for for your job. That's another thing we're going to get to later. I probably planned too much for this episode in hindsight. You think? <laughs> I'll probably cut yeah, I was it. looking at your notes and I was like, wow, this is very comprehensive compared to mine. Mm. Uh, another method I have is a smart home. My door lock is oh, a smart it. lock. My lights are smart. I have reminders, alarms, routines, shopping lists. Everything is smart. Uh, so yeah, my automatic. lights dim at a certain. Mm-hmm. My lights dim when I'm supposed to be off work. Yep, all the lights dim. Yeah, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, totally helpful. The door lock is super helpful for me because I don't know how many times before I had it, I would come back to make sure I had locked the door because I just didn't remember yep. whether or not I did. Half the time I did forget. Um, but half the time I didn't, and it was just a waste of time. But now I always know I can just look at my phone and see the door is locked. Uh, and it also does an auto lock, so I know it will do that. And if it doesn't work, it'll send me a text and be like, hey, the lock didn't work. You're going to need to come back and manually yeah. check that. Uh, very helpful. Same with lights. Uh, if I realize, oh, I turned, I left all my lights on at home, I can turn them all off on my phone while I'm at work. Love it. It's wonderful. And then uh, routines help. I make lists like a fiend i have so many lists and like reminders uh and when i when i run when i am about to run out of a grocery i always have multiple of everything because i always eat the same thing every day uh so like (laughs) yogurt for example uh there are usually two or three of them in my fridge when i open the last one and there's no longer a sealed yogurt i just tell my smart home add yogurt to the shopping list and the next time i'm in the store it's already on my phone uh yeah it's, it's so helpful um and they're listening to me all the time and know everything about me. Oh, I'm yeah. okay with that though. I like catered ads. I actually actually. I mean, me. <laughs> I got so many FBI implants in me right now. Yeah, I, I've got nothing to hide. In fact, if you're hiring FBI, <laughs> we've got some behavioral oh, yeah. specialists I was, here. I was looking at CIA, Same. but you still have to do the you still have to do the physical training, and <laughs> there's no way, yeah. there's no way I could do the physical training, even with like tutelage in that area. There's no way. Not all FBI roles require the physical element. See. Anyway, this is good. I'll start looking at the FBI instead of the CIA. So the hell of it of ADHD stigma is number one easily uh with all mental health disorders illnesses differences what have you there's so much stigma around it uh, with ADHD specifically uh traits can seem to be under our control and that can exacerbate stigma um and that's from a very old um as far as mental health goes Um, scientific paper from 1963 where they realized that a lot of people they'll see someone with ADHD and be like oh no they're just trying to be hyperactive because they want attention when in fact wanting attention mm -hmm, Mm. when in fact I know a lot of introverted people with ADHD who are like I don't want this attention it just kind of happens because I can't control my impulses sometimes Uh, and it's incredibly frustrating and anxiety inducing when you can't control that kind of stuff it sucks frankly um another stigma is that people with adhd are childish childish and socially inappropriate uh, this one comes up in a lot of mental health where people are told to just grow up like you're not acting your age and frankly sometimes we can't sometimes our brain just kind of do things and just 
we just blurt something out because it came to our head and we can't stop it. Uh, and you can deal or you can leave. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it took me a long time to be able to actually say that out loud, but uh, I can't control it, frankly. So, baby, I was born this way. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. Uh, it's more. That was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> stigma is also more likely in adulthood than childhood. That was a little more recent from a 2004 study. Um, and underdiagnosed in adults. Mm-hmm, that is on this list and it's, women. Oh, I was going to say it's wild that I got a diagnosis at all because I was, what, 27, I think. Yeah, I was 25. 27. And, and successful in school and work. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't at that point, I wasn't unsuccessful because I had the special ed back in middle school and high school. I wasn't unsuccessful. I was able, I had got coping mechanisms and stuff like that in play. I was able to strategize my way out of the um, issues that I had because I'm bright enough, right? Like I came up with resources for myself, but there's no reason other than that doctor being curious that I was diagnosed with ADHD. Stigma is also stronger in racial minorities. Uh, the easiest way to get a diagnosis for ADHD is to be a cis, white, straight, young male. If you yeah. have all those things going for you. The world is sympathetic to you. And frankly, I tick most of those boxes. <laughs> most of them. Yeah. Not all of them. Uh, but... Cis, white, male, not straight, but <laughs> yeah. And there, there's also a whole like LGBTQ in mental health. That's several episodes. Um, yeah. So sadly, if you're not cis white straight male you're going to have a harder time than if you do take all those boxes trying to get any kind of uh oh and young that was the other one um oh yeah if the older you are the harder it is to get a diagnosis um another common stigma stigma is that kids will be kids or boys will be boys they're just hyper because yeah. they're hyper and i've seen a lot of um language on social media especially about people saying adhd is way overdiagnosed and that kids are just hyper and we just have to teach them to not be it's a behavioral issue yeah and sometimes that's right sometimes that is the case they sometimes they are acting out because they're not getting enough emotional support at home or from their friends or whatever uh but it's not a reason to claim that adhd is overdiagnosed in my unprofessional opinion (laughs) that's all uh there is no (laughs) blood or x-ray test for adhd obviously uh so because of that there are also some people that say that adhd doesn't exist um, because there's no way to really prove that you do or don't have it outside of behavior analysis um and And that's the way with so many mental health disorders mm -hmm. and again with that like that spectrum of severity uh, how much it impacts your life is what makes it a disorder. So yeah, if it seems like you only have a few of these things, but it's really messing with your life, that's fine. Talk to someone. Yeah. Talk to someone. Um, find someone who will listen. Don't just find whoever is like easily available. Find someone who will actually listen to yeah. you. Another stigma, they're often labeled as lazy or dumb. We kind of touched on this a little bit oh, earlier. Yeah. Uh, dumb because we have gaps in our speech a lot as our brains are focusing on way too many things at the same time. We get understimulated, overstimulated, whatever, or 
lazy because we don't get things done very well because we don't have the dopamine to start a task. It's not that we don't want to start the task. We usually really, really want to start our homework because it's due tomorrow. But our brain's like, nah, not going to do that. And it sucks. But there are positives. There are fun traits. There are cool traits. There are useful traits. Uh, Millennium Medical Associates specifies hyperfocus as one of them. It's a great tool, especially if you can use it at work or in school. If you're studying something that's important to you and you can hyperfocus on it, like when I'm in my psychology classes, I go ham. Like I, I can just write for days <laughs> when I'm writing for my psychology classes. Um, people with ADHD also typically are more adaptable socially, geographically, and culturally because they're so used to changing gears constantly that it's just a part of their life. So if they're at work and suddenly everything around them has changed, they're like, okay, cool. Whereas everyone else is like, I don't know how to function. Everything is different. And the ADHD person is like, that's me every four minutes. So I'm used to it. <laughs> and so that's a great trait in a workplace. Uh, creativity and spontaneity are also common traits with people with ADHD uh, for similar reasons. We just like to do new things and try new things and be spontaneous. Uh, Find something that keeps our interest. Yes. I, I definitely identify with the creative half of this one. Not so much with spontaneous. I'm pretty predictable for the most part. Uh, but if someone comes up to me and is like, hey, we're going camping right now. Do you want to come? I'll, my impulse will be like, yes, I do. I have so <laughs> much homework, but yes. <laughs> uh, I don't even like camping that much. I just would get so caught up in the moment. Anyway, uh, problem solving. Also, we have to spend so much time on problems to solve them the way they're supposed to be solved, quote unquote, uh, that we get really, really good at solving problems on our own. So when something is thrown at us that's a little abstract, we're like, oh, pie, we got this. Diagnosis. If you want a diagnosis, where to go for help? Start at websites. Those are easy. Uh, Very Well Mind is a great resource for any kind of mental health stuff, but they do have some great uh, ADHD pages as well. There's an online magazine called Attitude, A-D-D-itude. They have a lot of great parent resources. Uh, One of my favorite YouTube channels is called How to ADHD. Uh, She does a lot about everything we talked about here and then some, and they're all in like fun, easy to watch videos, which are very easy to digest and informative. Um, There are also a lot of books that I didn't research because I don't read. You can talk to your therapist. (laughs) If you don't have one, you can find one. If you need to get a referral from a doctor, you can talk to your uh, general practitioner or your primary care provider about finding a therapist. Um, Yes, and just be specific that you're looking specifically at talking about ADHD, whether or not you have a diagnosis. Uh, Do you need a diagnosis? I personally am all about inclusivity on self-diagnosis for people, primarily because of the benefits that come with a label. Like if you identify with a lot that we've been talking about here, I, as someone who has been clinically diagnosed with ADHD, am totally okay with you colloquially, anecdotally, whatever, socially saying that you have ADHD because you identify with that so much that it helps you feel better about where you are in the world and in your life. 
I'm I'm I like that open like concept of the label because while there is a a benefit of a clinical diagnosis with like ADA and um, protections and uh, benefits and whatnot, uh, I've gotten so much more out of the community of mental diverse folks like online like the subreddits and Facebook groups and things that I have found from uh like ADHD communities and things like that and the number of people that you just identify with you you just feel so much like you found a community that you've lacked well, that's how I'm speaking for myself I found that I've I feel <laughs> that I found a community that I've been lacking my whole life where like people just kind of get it um, yeah, and that's why I'm okay with that, like self diagnosis. Um, but that said, again, ADA and the ADAAA uh, for work accommodations. Uh, if you work, if you tell your workplace that you have ADHD uh, or any other um, disorder or difference, outline the traits you exhibit at work and how coworkers can help you with that, uh, and provide a resource like a website that actually describes what it's like. Um, that not only helps them provide reasonable accommodation as per the ADA law, uh, but also helps mitigate stigma um, within your workplace. So you can teach them something while also helping them comply with ADA at the same time. Uh, last few bit of resources, CHAD, which is Children and Adults with Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Uh, that's just chadd.org for U.S., um, there's also the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry that's more geared towards uh, young people on the ADD and ADHD diagnosis scheme and uh, ADDA, uh, which is at ADD.org. That's the Attention Deficit Disorder Association, um, another American one. Or again, you can talk to your therapist, talk to your doctor. Uh, they often have um, helpful sources and the uh, add.org also has a professional directory for finding um, ADHD specific um, help and finding doctors and therapists that can help you with that. Uh, if you want any of those links, they'll be in the show notes. That is finally all that I have on ADHD, which was a lot. Uh, <laughs> I I have a lot to say. Apparently, this is why you we started a, a podcast. You you tunneled a little bit here. You uh, did some some brain tunneling. Oh yeah, I remember when I made this. I I had texted you. I was like, I went into hyper focus mode, and it's done. <laughs> I wrote the I know, episode I, in like an hour and a half. <laughs> I think I responded at the end. Oh of yeah, the it was like wow. Note. I just said wow. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I have a question mm -hmm. for you. You told me what your hell this week was. Oh yes. What is the good thing? The good thing is. I am also learning some very important parts of my job that is doing a lot to help people. Our primary focus in our clinic is uh, dosing for methadone and several other uh, drugs that help people get off of their opioid addictions. Um, okay. And if you come into our clinic and you don't have insurance, that's fine. If you don't have any money, that's fine. You don't have a home, that's fine. You don't have a social security Bunch card. Bunch of commies. Come on in. Yep, we will take anyone <laughs> and everyone within reason. Uh, like if you come in and threaten to kill someone, we're probably not going to let you stay. Fair. Uh, and also like you have to be making progress and whatnot. But 
Denver Health is very good about making healthcare accessible to all. And that's why I work there. That's great. Um, my good thing is that even though I'm stressed AF about um, leasing, salary, student loans, all of that stuff, my family has been super flexible with mm. me and super supportive. Like any number of them have uh, offered to drive with me from Chicago to LA. Awesome. Um, multiple ones. So although it's like super stressful, it's keeping me up at night. I have like heart palpitations mm. <laughs> all over the time. Um, my family has been really supportive. Um, so that's, I mean, really great. Cool beans. Well, thank you for letting me talk your ears off about ADHD. We do have actual outro words. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Oh yeah. We are at self help podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. If you like what you hear, please download, rate, review, subscribe, or whatever it takes to show your appreciation. Thanks, guys. Bye.